what I'd like you to do this morning is um, turn to, to, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. As you're turning there, on March 20th... Oh, I'm sorry. Anybody still need a hand out? Lift your, lift your hands there. Get the ushers to pass those out. Um, that'll help you track along with me uh, today. On March 20th, uh, I have a friend who was my counselor at camp at Mountain View Bible Camp in Dublin, New Hampshire when I was a kid. He also uh, went to the same uh, school I went to, but he graduated before I attended. His name's Phil Hubbard, and he's a youth pastor in Palermo. And his teens take a missions trip to Boston every year. And uh, they've done this uh, for seven years in a row now, and they work with a group called Open Air Campaigners. And there in Boston, they do two types of evangelism. They do adult meetings, but they also do five-day clubs and chalk art and, and uh, gospel uh, object lessons, etc. there in some of the parks. And so he's going to come Sunday night on March the 20th, and they're going to put a demonstration on of what they do. And I've invited, um, I talked to Clinton, invited the Iwana to come up and, and, and see that. But their teams are going to put on a demonstration there. Uh, it'll help them in preparing, but it'll also help us to see um, what they do down there and also uh, minister to the kids uh, who will be up there during that time. So that's March 20th. Um, this, uh, this last uh, uh, Wednesday night was a little bit different. We, uh, I urged each of you last week to, to, to put some action steps to what we talked about, about the churches praying in the book of Acts and on your personal life, your family, and then uh, meeting with another person. And then on Wednesday night, we did something a little different. We had a, a potluck, and then we prayed together around round tables, and we prayed. I want you to know that every single person uh, that attends... Uh, was prayed for. Uh, we prayed for God to work in your in your lives, and um, uh, we divided up the, the uh, had slips of paper that represented each family unit with their names on them, and we prayed for every one of you uh, here on our Wednesday night, and then also personal prayer requests that were shared uh, among the tables there. And and I'd like to do that again, not every week, but that would be something I'd like to do again in the future. And uh, we had a good group out and enjoyed a meal together, and then pray and it was just a really refreshing time thank you for those that uh, were able to have a have a part in that here's uh here's something to ponder this morning and uh, i'll try to i'll try to help you out with the blanks here this morning but listen if you are born again if you are regenerated, you have a new life, you've been brought from dead to life, you've been brought into the family of God by the blood of Christ, you were designed and you were purposed to pray. To talk to your Father as He talks to you through His Word. You were designed for that. I want us this morning to, to see, the, see the root of our prayer and the theme of this um, of, our, of our session this morning is, is to understand that praying the scripture revitalizes our prayers. It brings structure, it brings ideas, it, 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 uh, it uh, refreshes the mind. It, 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 is, it is an important thing to pray scripture. But I want us to understand, first of all, the undergirdings of why do we pray? What is the root of our prayer? What is the foundation of our prayer? And this morning, I want you to understand that we pray because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When God brought you into relationship with Himself through Christ, He begins to live in you through the Holy Spirit. 
Very God of very God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. He, he begins, God begins to live within that person through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, you, will, you were sealed that day, the day of redemption, for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just as you, wherever you go, you bring your human nature with, it, with you wherever you go, right? Just as you bring your human nature with, it, with you wherever you go, you bring the Holy Spirit. If you are regenerated, you are born again, you bring the Holy Spirit and His holy nature with you wherever you go. His holy nature indwells you, and His hungers and His desires indwell you as well. And the result is that all those in whom the Spirit dwells, the Bible says, all those in Christ, God, the Spirit baptized into the body of Christ. You have, you have the Holy Spirit within you. All those in Christ that the Spirit dwells in have new holy hungers, have new holy loves, have new holy desires they did not have prior to that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, you might say, well, what, what, what desires are you talking about? A believer hungers for the Word of God, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, which used to be boring to them. A believer loves fellowship with the people of God and can't live without the church, 1 John 3.14. A believer has things that were unknown to them previously as desires that become realities and hungers to them. They long to live without sin. A genuine believer longs to live without sin. A genuine believer longs to look upon that face who the angels call holy. And a believer, someone who is born again and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, has a, the spiritual heartbeat to pray. They have the spiritual heartbeat to pray, whether they are a nine-year-old kid or a 90-year-old adult. They have a spiritual heartbeat for all these things. And it might be expressed in a nine-year-old in nine-year-old ways. Or it might be expressed in 90-year-old ways. But they have pulsing in them the always fresh, the evergreen work of the Spirit, which causes them to have godly desires. Because that's His nature. It's implanted in you. And according to scriptures like Romans and Galatians, Romans 8 and Galatians 4, one of the supernatural heart changes the Spirit creates in His people is to cause them to cry, Abba, Father. And all those indwelt and controlled by the Holy Spirit really want to pray. He causes us, God causes us to believe through the Spirit indwelling in us that God really is our Father. And it gives us a desire to talk to Him. And that's the theology behind it. That's the root behind it. And we would say, I mean, it's hard to find a Christian who wouldn't say this, that prayer is so foundational to our spiritual flourishing. But yeah, it is, isn't it? The most neglected aspect of our spiritual lives. Why is that? Why is that? Um, I think there are, there are obstacles to our prayer. Not only, if we, certainly there is a root, there is a foundation of our prayer, but there are obstacles to our prayer. 
Number one obstacle is because it is so crucial to our spiritual flourishing, the enemy is going to do anything he can to distract us from praying. Which tells us how important it is. We talked about that this morning with the gospel. The enemy does everything he can to blind minds of the gospel because he understands the transforming power of the gospel. He understands prayer's role in our, in our spiritual lives. It might be neglected because the enemy is doing what he can to distract us. It might be neglected because there may be sin in our hearts that is blocking our fellowship, uh, blocking our longings of talking to God because of our guilt and shame. It might be because we are lazy spiritually. We are lazy spiritually. That may be an obstacle to our prayer. And I think one that might be true of us, if those others aren't true, is because we end up being bored because we say the same old things about the same things. Um, There are remedies for each of these. Unconfessed sin needs to be repented of. Clear the channels. Distraction can can be cured, I think, as we focus on the scriptures for our prayer. I'll talk about that later. Uh, laziness. Uh, we, we need to, that's why we need, need to pray for awakening, right? A, 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 uh, those holy desires to be stirred up like coals in the fire. But that boredom there. When prayer is boring, then we don't feel like praying, do we? We don't feel like praying and we don't concentrate in prayer. We don't pray for very long. And our problem is not that we pray about the same old things. All of us here probably pray about these, 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 uh, these certain aspects of things. Our families, our future, our finances, our work, church or ministry, the mission of the gospel, a current crisis that you're going through or someone else you're going through. Those things are are things that we pray about. The problem is not that we pray about the same things, but we say the same things about the same old things. And there's not necessarily something wrong in that. But many times our prayers need to be revitalized. We need to pray what the scripture says about those things. Well, what's the solution to this? And uh, I'm I'm putting uh, before you a method uh, that I think has groundings in Scripture, but also in church history um, this morning. Whatever the solution is, we have to understand that it's got to be simple. It's got to be simple. Now, we in America have more resources than anybody for prayer or or, or devotional tools or whatever than, than probably any other period of time in history. What about that person in North Korea? And they're glad to just have the Bible. Whatever the solution is for God's people for revitalizing their prayer life, it's got to be simple. And we have people, believers of all ages, don't we? All IQs. All different educational levels. And if God expects and invites all His children to pray, then praying, meaningful prayer, must be doable for the six-year-old to the 66-year-old, right? It must be uh, possible to have a meaningful prayer life, wouldn't you say? And so here is something that I'd like to um, propose to you this morning. That the wings of our prayer, what brings, brings a lift to our prayers is praying Scripture. Say, so what in the world are you talking about? 
<clears throat> Jesus says in John 6.63 that the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. This is no ordinary book. This isn't like Charles Dickens' novel. All right? This isn't uh, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. This is life, spirit and life. The very words of God. And if that is true, this is something, something extraordinary about the book. So what I want to talk to you this morning about is, is the wings of our prayer. Praying the word of God. Let the words of scripture become the words of your prayer. And here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the, 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 the summary statement here. When you pray, pray through a passage of scripture. Particularly the Psalms. Is there anything more special about the Psalms than any other passage of Scripture? No. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Paul tells in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And all Scripture is profitable. But Psalms has a unique perspective, doesn't it? What do I mean by that? Somebody said that... The Psalms express every one of the sighs of life. Spurgeon wrote a, wrote a tremendous amount of material on the Psalms, and one of his resources is the treasury of the Psalms. And Someone else has said that God gave the Psalms to his saints so that his saints could give the Psalms back to him. The Psalms express the heart, don't they? When your spirits need to be lifted, you go many times to the Psalms, don't you? When there is a a hard providence of God in your life, what do you go to? God can use other passages, can't he? He can use the New Testament letters. He can use uh, some of the stories in the Kings. He can use all kinds of things. But I want to tell you there's something special about the Psalms. because The Psalms are prayers to God. They are letters to God. They are expressions of a heart to God. They are honest, aren't they? They are raw. God, where are you? Are you going to be angry at us forever? We've read that in Psalm 85 today. They are raw expressions of the heart. And the Psalms are, are, uh, can, can, can bring words to your prayers. Look in Psalm 23. I'm just turning here because this is probably the most familiar psalm. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for my sake. Let the words of Scripture become the words to your prayers. For example, if you read through Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, thank you that you're my shepherd. Lord, I'm asking you to shepherd my family today. To guide us in the way that leads to life everlasting. Lord, I'm asking you to, to, uh, to, to work in our shepherd's life, our pastor. May his eyes be crystal clear in the understanding of scripture. May he guide us in the word of God. Lord, that shepherd reminds us that we're sheep and I too often go astray. Lord, I confess what I've gone astray in today this week. And I'm asking that you guide me back into your paths. 
I mean, that's just that's just one phrase of Psalm. But you see how it guided guided the prayers there in, the, in, in, in an example here. Lord, you're my shepherd. I ask you to guide and protect and provide for us. Lord, will you make the other people in our family member or not yet your sheep? Make them your sheep. Lord, shepherd us as we look to decisions in the future. Say, well, okay, I wouldn't necessarily think of that or all of that. That's okay. You know what you do? You go on to the next verse. Something doesn't come in mind, come to mind to pray. There's 150 psalms here. Move on to the next verse and pray. I shall not want. You're going through the passage line by line. You're praying what you find in the text as you understand it, what it brings to mind. And if nothing comes to mind, or you don't understand the verse, don't say, oh, I can't do this in panic. Go on to the next verse. There's more. There's plenty more. There's plenty more. You might choose to linger long on one verse. You might spend 25 minutes in prayer on that first phrase. That would be amazing. You might spend five minutes on the whole song. There might be things that the Holy Spirit prompts in your mind as you work through verses and pray. Continue until you run out of time or you run out of psalm. What I want to... Um, well, you're wondering, well, how do I start? Let me, let me suggest something here. Um, when you pray, take a minute, take 30 seconds to scan or skim five psalms. 30 seconds. Well, what five psalms? You know, Psalm 1 through 5, Psalm 6 through 10? No, not necessarily. What I've put in your handout there is a chart here. And what you would do, and this is not an original idea with me by any stretch, and I really don't know who gets credit for this because it's uh, um, has, has, has got passed around. It may have been the navigators. I don't know. But what you can do is, what's today? Today is the 28th, right? Today is the 28th. So I'm going to go to Psalm 28. And I'm going to skim through Psalm 28. So, Lord, prompt anything in my mind to pray through in that passage? If so, I pray. If not, I'm going to add 30 to Psalm 28, and I'm going to go to Psalm 58. And I'm going to skim through Psalm 58. I'm going to add 30 to that. I'm going to skim through Psalm 88, etc. Five psalms. And I've uh, given you a chart on your on your on your passage on your on your uh, notes there to help you understand how to work this. So you're going to take 30 seconds, scan five psalms, and you're going to choose one to pray through. What you're going to do is through the month, there's about 30 days in a month. You're going to be scanning the whole book of Psalms. Don't worry about having to read it detail by detail, line by line. Um, but but scan it and pick so you so you're picking one to pray through. Alright? You're going to work through all the psalms. What is in those psalms is a treasure chest of hearts that have expressed longings to the Lord. Desires for God to work. I really think the psalms are the best place in scripture from which to pray scripture. It's the original purpose of the psalms. They were psalms, as Gary said, inspired by God to be reflected in song back to God. And as I said, there's a song for every, psalm for every sigh of the heart. You might wonder, well, what do I do when I come to those imprecatory psalms? You know, knock his teeth out. 
Uh, go with me to Psalm 58. Let me give you an example. Some of you might say, yeah, there's that guy at work here. I could pray that for. Um, <clears throat> Psalm uh, 58, verse 6. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. As a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away. Some of you guys are remembering your kids who poured salt on snails, right? Well, how do you pray in precatory psalms? Well, listen, I think you can pray generally for wickedness and evil. I wouldn't necessarily put names to those psalms. I don't know that that's necessarily healthy. I also think you could pray, put names to the specific sins in your life for those imprecatory psalms. Lord, take this anger in me and break its teeth. Melt it away from me. I think you can pray those imprecatory psalms for your own sin. I also think you can pray those imprecatory psalms for national sins. You think of the evil in a, in a nation, abortion, and, and etc. And I think you can pray, though, pray, pray for those. So, so don't let imprecatory psalms, and just, just by way of um, clarity, for those who don't know what an imprecatory psalm is, it's a psalm that's calling down specific judgment for people. Alright? In the psalms. Don't let those be an obstacle. But learn, learn how to, learn how to, how to, how to pray the, for the psalms. You might say, well, what about the New Testament? Some of you say, aha, you know what? I don't I I, I'm, I might not be reading through the Psalms and I only have this amount of time, and I'm reading through First Thessalonians. So I'm going to be in First Thessalonians chapter two tomorrow. So so could I incorporate that into Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say the New Testament letters are probably um, um, the second best place to start your prayers from. There's so much packed into those verses. You could get to the First Thessalonians chapter two and start uh, and, and look at those verses, and and, and Paul is, uh, is is talking about. Um, uh, I think he's talking about. Um, Yeah, he's talking about how, how people were treated when they turned to God from the, by, the, by the unbelievers in the gospel. And, and you, you can, prayers will rise out of that, won't they? They'll rise out of that. You might say, well, what about the stories of Scripture? Because most of the Scripture's stories. Like, go with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. So I read John chapter 5 and I read verse 1. How do I pray John 5 1? <laughs> And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Do I need to pray, Lord, help me feast on you? No. No. When you read a story, understand what the point of the story is. All right? The whole story. Pray out of the, out of the, out of the main point, the big ideas of the story. Okay? Like in the Psalms, you're looking at a verse almost microscopically, right? Um, instead of looking at... Uh, 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 you don't want to do that to a story looking microscopically, all right? Whether the Old Testament or New Testament, you want to look paragraph by paragraph and look at the big ideas, the main points of what's happening in there. But I want to tell you this: it's like riding a bicycle. Once you experience praying through a passage of Scripture, it becomes easier and easier to do that. 
It revitalizes your praying because instead of praying the same old things the same old way, you can pray the same old things, but from God's perspective in different ways. The words renewing your mind in brand new ways. Um, some of you were taught, and I was taught, and I've even taught, um, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it, but to use the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, uh, thanksgiving, supplication, and think through your prayers in that way. But um, you can get bogged down in that too. But when you pray scriptures, you're, that's all of that in there. I could pray the, the Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, and I could adore God for being my shepherd. I can confess to him in that same phrase about how I haven't looked to him as my shepherd. I can thank him for being my shepherd. I can pray that others would come and see him as their shepherd. ACTS, right there in the book of Psalms. Here's some benefits of praying scripture. Your mind will wander less. If you're like me when you pray... That is a number one obstacle. You're all over the place. You're thinking of your grocery list, or you're thinking of this you have to do. When you pray the Scripture, your mind is going to wander less. You're focused on, on, on taking the Scripture and expressing it in prayer. Your prayer is going to be more God-centered. It's going to be less about me, 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 and more about God and His work in me and through me and the world. I think you might find that you might lose track of time. Your prayer life is going to be revitalized. I really believe that. I know it's true. And what may seem like a drudgery to pray three minutes, you might look at your watch and say, 13 minutes already passed as you pray the scriptures. Your prayer is going to flow like real conversation. You're talking to God. You're speaking God's words back to Him. And by the way, when, I'm, when I say pray the Scriptures, I don't mean you necessarily need to quote the Scripture word for word. What I mean is you're intaking it, you're processing it, and praying it back to Him. Here's some other benefits. You'll see the Bible as relevant to life. Not this dry, dusty book that only spoke to these people 2,000 years ago, but God will intersect your life with the Scripture. You'll start to think more deeply about what the Bible says. It will, it will spur on meditation. You'll be more confident that you're praying God's will. And you'll pray about things that your tunnel vision before didn't really pray about before. You'll pray what God wants you to pray about. You'll express the scripture, how, uh, uh, and and it, it'll 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 remove blind spots, and the things that you do normally pray about, you'll pray differently about. Now you might say, "Well, what's is there any scriptural precedent in this?" I I would say there is. And I wouldn't say this is something that you must do if you're a Christian. You must pray the scripture. But I think it will be a great benefit and a help to you. Let me give you a couple examples here. George Mueller. You may not be familiar with him, but I'll just tell you this. He lived from 1805 to 1898. And... 
He is known in church history for being a man of prayer. A man of prayer. Widely considered one of the greatest men of prayer and faith uh, in our modern era here. He lived in Bristol, England. He had four far-reaching influential ministries. But one of the ones that we know him best for were his orphanages. And he lived in a time in England when orphans lived in miserable workhouses or on the streets. It's not like today where people, there's all kinds of, uh, of, of movements and, and, and uh, organizations that reach out to orphans. People saw orphans as a nuisance. They didn't care if they saw their bodies in the gutter on the side of the streets. And you can get a good picture of what an orphan was and how they were treated if you ever read Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist. Well, Mueller took them in and he fed them and he clothed them and he educated them. And there in his orphanage in Bristol, England, he cared for as many as 2,000 at a time and more than 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. But he never made, you could imagine the massive needs of, of food and clothing and bedding, etc. He never made the needs of his ministries known to anyone except to God in prayer. Now we tell people the answers to his prayer. But he didn't tell anybody his needs. And it's actually only through his reports, annual reports, that people learn after the fact that God had met their needs for the previous year and provided He had over 50,000 specific recorded answers to his prayer in his journals. 30,000 of those, he says, were answered the same day that he prayed for them. Now think about that. That's 500 definite answers to prayer every year of his life. More than a day, one a day, every single day for 60 years. And today's money equivalent. God funneled throughout any horizontal request of always through his vertical request God funneled over half a billion dollars in today's money through his hands and answers to his prayer you say well there must be something about the way he prayed well he says for the first ten years of what he called his life of faith he struggled in prayer to get in the spirit of prayer and we could probably compare it to starting a lawnmower in the spring after it sat for a while have you ever been that way? I just can't get into it, get in the prayer. He struggled. And I included his quote on, on your page there, but he says this. He talks about a struggle. He says, the difference then between my former practice and my present one is this. The former practice where he was like trying to start a lawnmower in the spring. Formerly when I rose, I began to pray as soon as possible and generally spent all my time till breakfast in prayer almost all the time. At all events, I almost invariably began with prayer. But what was the result? I often spent a quarter of an hour or half an hour or even an hour on my knees before being conscious to myself for having derived comfort, encouragement, humbling of soul, etc. And often, after having suffered much from wandering of mind for the first ten minutes, a quarter of an hour or even half an hour, only then really began to pray. He said, In other words, he's saying, I started out my quiet time and I started to pray. He said, it was hard. It was rough. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if you're... Um, you need to follow your feelings. But I do want to tell you what he discovered. You know what he discovered? He says, I scarcely ever suffer now in this way. For my heart being nourished by the truth, he got in the word of God, 
being brought into experimental, today you would say experiential, fellowship with God, I speak to my Father and to my friend, vile though I am and unworthy of it, about the things, listen, that He has brought before me in His precious Word. It often now astonishes me that I did not sooner see this point, he said. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I learned to pray the scripture and it revitalized my life. I spent ten years where I didn't do this. And he's slapping himself across the face saying, Why did I, how did I miss this? And he says, this has changed my life. I'm not saying this is a silver bullet. There's no system out there that is the silver bullet. But this may provide the wings to your prayer. Praying the scripture. Praying through a passage of scripture. Is what transformed George Mueller's prayer life. Is there anybody else who prayed scripture? In the Bible? Jesus. Those seven sayings on the cross. Many of them can be linked back to guess what section of scripture? The Psalms. They were on his lips. Psalm 22. Etc. He prayed scripture. What about the early church? We looked back last week in Acts chapter 4. When the early church was persecuted, what did they pray? You know what they prayed? They prayed Psalm 2 and, um, and also, I believe, uh, Psalm uh, 64. One of those. Quote, quote, quoted in their prayers. And that's how they framed their prayer. Why? Because the Word of God gives life to our prayers. And so I've given you information. What I'd like you to do now is to turn to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. In your Bible, let me ask you to to, to be very quiet for the next five minutes. And what I'd like you to do is skim through Psalm 28. And I'd like you to quietly take Psalm 28. Today's the 28th of February. That's why I picked it. Um, If you don't like it, go 30 more. Go to Psalm 58 or another one, alright? Pray through. Spend five minutes praying through that Psalm. Psalm 28. Now quietly.
Lord, you are the one who delights to hear us. You're the one without ears who delights to hear our cries. You're the one who is not silent, who has spoken to us in your word. Lord, your word was so necessary, the psalmist says, that if you were silent to him, he would, it would be the same result as him going down into the pit. Lord, you hear us when, you, when we cry. You hear our supplications. Uh, Lord, and this is an expression of our need for you. Lord, I pray that you would not uh, allow us to get caught up with the wicked, to envy the wicked, to fall into their temptations and their mischiefs, Lord, I know that uh, you are, in the end, going to make all things right. You're the judge of all the earth. You will give them according to their deeds. Lord, thank you for rescuing me, rescuing me from the condemnation of my sin. Lord, were it not for the grace of God, I would be marching along with the wicked to the gates of hell, eternal punishment. You would give me what I deserved. Lord, we thank You for Your grace that You heard my cry and rescue. You came down and lifted me out of the pit. You are a God that is very near and close to the brokenhearted. And Lord, You become my strength, my power. You become my defender. You become the one when all this world is collapsing, my heart can trust in and who helps me. And Lord, You give me joy. You give me praise to You. You are my strength. You have anointed me because of the anointed one, Jesus Christ. You have brought me into the fold because of Your anointed one, Christ. Lord, You are the saving strength of Your anointed. Lord, we thank You for that. We thank You that There was not any works that we could have done that saved us, but according to your mercy, you saved us. And Lord, I thank you for the blessing that comes upon us. Lord, you blessed Israel, you blessed, you rescued them, you fed them, you lifted them up. And Lord, you do that to your people in the New Testament as well. You have blessed them, Ephesians says, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You feed us your word. You give us your Holy Spirit. You lift us up and seat us in the heavenly places. We praise and thank you. Thank you for your word that can guide our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you prayed those few minutes there, and I know it's difficult in a crowded room and you hear every tick of a watch and it's hard to focus on the text there. Um, But was there anything that you noticed as you prayed, as you prayed the Psalms? There's a lot of stuff, right? You're not going to run out of material, right? You're not going to run dry. What else? You were drawn to God's capability to meet your needs in that passage. Alright? And I don't know what situation that might minister to you in, but God drew your attention to that and you were able to express that to God and build your faith in that. Kim? Well, I've watched mine and I've 
Yeah. I mean, I I can I, I am not creative. I mean, I'm linear thinker to the to the max here, and so. Um, when I when I when I can pray the Psalms, it brings things to mind and knocks the the tunnel vision away and and opens up new things that we can pray for. Ethan, yeah, yeah, yep. Anything else, Lynn? Mm-hmm. You, your mind starts to see things from God's perspective instead of your situation from your perspective. Well, let me encourage you to do that. I gave you a chart here you could use as a help for the Psalms. Um, skim through five Psalms there. Tomorrow's the 29th. And so you'd start with Psalm 29, skim through there. If that one jumps out at you, then, then pray, start there. If, if, if that one's, a, uh, you're just not connecting with that one, move on to the next one, okay? Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But use a scripture to shape your prayers. If you want to merge it, into your um, into your own Bible reading, um, and you're reading through a certain passage. Do that. Do that. Um, I think you'll also find, as you're reading and you're jotting down things uh, in a journal, that your your mind will be sparked, and your your prayer life. We have no excuse for prayer lives to be dry. I guess is what we're saying here. God has given us all we need that pertains to life and godliness, and don't neglect the main thing that contributes to your godliness and prayer, the Word of God.